Hebrews chapter 6. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. The doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Right in the middle of that, verse number two, let's read that again. Of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. I want to talk to us about the doctrine of the laying on of hands. The doctrine of the laying on of hands. Let's pray. Let's pray that something in this Bible study tonight would benefit us would add to our spiritual direction. Come on, let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your people here tonight. Pray that you touch those that were not able to be here. Pray for the Word of God and the Spirit of God to be of great benefit, strength, and direction to us as your people. And we ask it in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. This, um, this phraseology here in verse number two almost appears to be out of place. The reason is, is because the doctrine of the laying on of hands is right in the midst of some of the mainline theological doctrines of the word of God. He's talking about repentance, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. I mean, those are, those are heavyweight subject matter found in the Word of God. And right in the midst of that, is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. My preaching did not do that. Um, <coughs> but what this does tell me is that there is incredible importance to this apostolic activity. And the little bit of time that we're going to spend together tonight is not going to be near enough to do an exhaustive study of this, but I'm going to do my best in the next several moments to bring something to you that I think will benefit us as we study this together. First of all, the, the doctrine of the laying of, on of hands or the laying on of hands means exactly that. Another way of saying that would be placing your hands upon somebody. It just the way that the King James Version, um, the scholars interpreted that, they interpreted that, the laying on of hands. But a synonymous phrase would be they placed their hands upon, they put their hands upon, or they touched, they touched somebody and prayed for them. 
most of the miracles that Jesus performed were performed by touching. That is very important. That's critical to our study here tonight. The majority of miracles that Jesus did was done through the practice of touching people. Um, even the medical field, uh, people that have done studies on this will tell you that people recover much quicker when there, was when there is touching. And I don't, obviously I'm talking about something that's very appropriate, but just, just an encouragement, a t just a touch, maybe a word, maybe something of encouragement, something to lighten the attitude and the spirit of somebody that's in the hospital. They have proven that human touch is of great benefit to people that are in the hospital. In the Old Testament, the use of the laying on or placing of hands was very much used. Now, there's a lot of people that think that, you know, I've, I've seen laying on of hands, and I know it's in the New Testament, but really, it began in the Old Testament. The book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verse number 21. You might remember where it's, it's talking about the scapegoat, Leviticus 16, 21. It says, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions in all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Amazing practice on the day of atonement. And it was transferred, the sins of an entire nation, and that's what took place on the Day of Atonement was the sins of a nation. They didn't expiate those sins. They didn't completely do away with all those sins. They just pushed the penalty of those sins ahead another year. And then it would have to be, uh, this would have to be done all over the very next year to once again push the penalty of those sins forward. But it took place, the transfer took place with the laying on of hands. Numbers chapter 8, verse number 9. And thou shalt bring the Levites before the tabernacle of the congregation. Thou shalt gather the whole assembly of the children of Israel together. This is in, in, in public. This is a procedure that's done in public. Verse number 10. And thou shalt bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall put their hands upon the Levites. Verse number 11. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord an offering on the children of Israel that they may execute the service of the Lord. Once again, this is the laying on of the hands. This is the Levites that are being, that were already preordained by God to do the service of the tabernacle. And here before all of God's people, there's the laying on of hands. Numbers chapter number 27, starting in verse number 18. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. Moses is to lay his hand on his successor. This is incredible stuff. This is not just some little religious practice in the Word of God. This is God revealing 
how procedure is done among his people. Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay thine hand upon him. Next verse. And set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and give him a charge. So first, there's touch. First, there's contact. Now there's a vocalization. There's a verbalization. There is a charge. A charge is a proclamation. It's a pronouncement. It is a command. It is a requirement. Verse number 20. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him. Okay. This is important because you are seeing what is called impartation. You know, a lot of people talk about some of these spiritual things and they don't really, really understand what they're talking about when they talk about impartation. Impartation is a reality, but it has to have the right procedure and it has to have the right context. You can't just, you just can't randomly throw out these things and just say, well, God did it in the Bible and I just, I guess I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to impart something to my, my children, and that's biblical, by the way, but that's another example. Here we are talking about leadership where the spirit of Moses, and it wasn't just the spirit of God because Joshua already had the spirit. There was, there was the leadership capabilities that were in Moses that God had allowed Moses to develop over many years now, that some of that, a residual of that, was going to be imparted to Joshua. Not all of it could be imparted because Joshua was going to have to develop himself as a leader. This happens all the time in an apostolic um, environment where there are people and we're going to get to this. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself where uh, the pastor will lay hands on somebody and there will be a supernatural impartation. But it will not be an impartation that allows that individual to skirt consecration, submission. Are you with me? If, if you're going to experience the supernatural, there's three requirements. You have to be submitted to godly authority. You cannot live one way here and another way at home or wherever else and expect the supernatural to be there. You're going to feel a vacancy. But if you really want the supernatural, hi, Sister Melanie. Man, I just saw her tonight. She recently had a baby. God bless you. And we need to pray for her baby because her baby is still, was the baby born 25 weeks early? 27, I want to tell you, it's a miracle that that baby is alive. And let's thank God for that right now. Somebody lift your voice. Come on, let's pray, pray for your... We should be on our tippy toes to pray for somebody. This is God. It might be you in that same situation. God in Jesus' name. Mm. That baby might end up changing the world as a... An apostle. You just never know. You just never know. Submission to authority. The spirit of sacrifice. You have to be a person 
I'm not talking about giving. When we talk about giving, people automatically think, he's talking about money again. Sacrifice means your time, your energy, your effort, everything. And thirdly, you have to be consecrated in Jesus' name. So here Moses is laying his hand, and there is an impartation of a residual, a residual of what is in Moses is going to be placed in Joshua. Let's go to the next verse. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. Powerful, powerful stuff. But notice with me, it's all through the medium of touch. There are only some things in this, in this Bible, there are only some things in God that you can get vertically. You can get without any type of human interaction. And it's dangerous, it's dangerous to, to not want to be a part of an apostolic culture. Because that means that you're only dependent on the vertical. But see, God designed this thing. It's all about relationships. Somebody say amen over here. Okay, I just want to know that section's still alive. Okay. See, you can't be an apostolic hermit and think that he's going to say, well done. You can't be an apostolic person that is clannish and think he's going to say, well done. Because God's going to upset your clan so that we can love people that aren't like us, that don't have what we have, that don't look like, oh, come on, somebody. That's what he's going to say, well done, is when you've come to the place that I can love everybody, no matter where I'm at, no matter what I'm doing, no matter all, because I love them as God loves them. Oh, somebody, clap your hands and give God the praise. You're only going to get some blessings vertically. This is why, if you're, if you're a person sitting here tonight, and you're saying, um, I'm not good around people. You are the perfect candidate for what God's looking for. Because when you overcome your, when you get, when you get free from yourself, you're now going to let God move through you to be a blessing to somebody else. See, while you're focused on yourself, God's at a standstill. I'm doing this simply for Sister Lauren Bird because I used to do this all the time. Can you guys hear me tonight? I said, if all your blessings are only vertical, God is at a standstill in your life because he cannot move horizontally. All right. Your subliminal message to me is, Pastor, get back up there where you belong. And so here I am. But no, some of you got your own excuses why you're bound. And that is, 
you are not going to, you are not going to hear well done. You, you have to realize that God, this is why Paul says forgetting those things that are, past, are, are behind us because the past is a horrible prison. But you have to understand that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When Jesus paid for your sins, he paid for your yesterday so you don't have to think about yesterday. Well, pastor, I just... I just choose not to do any of that stuff. I just, just the way I am. Well, okay, well, you need a man of God to tell you where you're at. And if you can't do that, then I'm not doing my job. But you have to be in contact with other people because now that God has already come down vertically, now he wants to move out horizontally. And that means through you. Pastor, I thought you was talking about the laying on of hands. I am. You can't give somebody what you don't have. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. I'm trying to help us tonight. I'm trying to help us be everything in this short life. Short, vapor-like life. To help you get loose and to stay loose so that God can flow like a river. And when you lay hands on somebody, miracles happen. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. God wants to do it. He wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use every person here tonight. So we have already seen in the Old Testament that God allowed the transfer and the penalty of sin to be removed from people onto a goat by the use of the laying on of hands. We have already seen that God established the Levites in the presence of his people with the laying on of hands. And here we have seen that the impartation from Moses to Joshua took place through the laying on of hands. Now we're moving into the New Testament. And there's a lot of things that when you do that, there's a lot of things that stay in the Old Testament. There's a lot of ceremonial kind of things Sacrifice for sins, ceremonial law, a lot of other things that stay in the Old Testament, but there's a lot of things that kept moving into the New Testament. Matthew chapter 19, verse number 13. Then were there brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. And of course, I'm not going to read all that, but you understand they said, don't bother the master. And Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. Look at verse number 15. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. Jesus loved children. Mark chapter 6, verse number 5. And he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk 
and healed them because of the degree of unbelief. Is this not Joseph's son? I really get a kick out of this. This, this is really subject matter for a great message. But I, I, I really... I really, I really love it when you have a, a, a congregation like this and God will pull somebody that nobody ever thought was going to amount to a hill of beans. We probably have a few in this audience that people have already written you off. Maybe you've written yourself off. God doesn't write anybody off. But the reason why Jesus could do no mighty works except a few sick folks because he laid hands on them is because they said, is not this Joseph's son? Isn't his last name blah, 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 blah? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that spirit's not in this church, Elder. If that spirit's in this church, I'll pull my sword out and hack a gag in pieces right in front of this congregation. Well, that one can be used, that one can be used, that one, but that one, huh, I don't like them. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to use everybody. Quit worrying about what everybody else thinks about you. They got the same struggles. They got the same hang-ups. They need the same God. They need the same blood. They need the same altar. They need the same prayer room. God can use you. I've been preaching that for over 28 years, and I really believe that. And because I believe that, we have three young men that are pastoring churches out of this, out of this church. It's only the beginning. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 40. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he... Why did Jesus lay hands on people? He could have just spoken the word like he did to Jairus' daughter. He just spoke the word. He was trying to set an example. The doctrine. I almost, it, it's probably just me. I almost feel a popcorn spirit. Like some of you do really good with a big old bucket of popcorn right now. Probably just me. The laying on of hands transitioned from the Old Testament to the New Testament and now into the book of Acts. Everybody said Acts. Please, everybody say Acts. Say it like you're glad you're here. Fake it and act like you're glad you're here. Thank you. As the book of Acts opens, the laying on of hand is instituted. Acts chapter 6. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Ghost, and Philip, 
and Prochorus, and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Next verse. Whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. These are the seven men that were full of the Holy Ghost and a good report that would wait and minister at widows' tables because the apostles had to continue in the ministry. And so this was something that was done with men that were already full of the Holy Ghost, but now they're being, there's an impartation here to be used of God in a special way. And, of course, Stephen gave, preached one of the greatest messages in the entirety of the Word of God in Acts 7. What is unique is, at this juncture, is that Jesus healed through the laying on of hands, but people received the Holy Ghost through the laying on of hands through the apostles. And so now we're getting a more complete picture of when you talk about a doctrine, you're talking about a multiplicity of principles and nuances. Look at Acts chapter 8 and verse number 17. This is after Philip had gone to Samaria. They were baptized in Jesus' name. There were devils that were cast out of people, but they had not received the Holy Ghost. And then Peter and John came down. Look at this. Then lay they their hands on them. This is the Samaritans, half-breeds, and they received the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 19, verse number 6, on the upper coast of Ephesus. The Apostle Paul asked the famous question, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? It was a problem with how they were baptized. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. And so already we're getting a more complete picture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 6, the Apostle Paul to the young pastor at Ephesus, Timothy, wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So Jesus healed people with the laying on of his hands. The apostles prayed for people and they received the Holy Ghost. And this doctrine of the laying on of hands is now unleashed into the body of Christ and was from the day of Pentecost forward. So when you talk about a doctrine, you are talking about a body of of not just information, but a a reality, for lack of a better term right now. And we're not, keep that word doctrine in your mind. Doctrine really means teaching a body of teaching, but it is a reality that bridges two worlds. And a doctrine has to have principles so that there can be proper procedure. Uh, For example, um, in Hebrews chapter number six, it talks about the doctrine of baptisms. Well, When we talk about the doctrine of baptisms, we are talking about, number one, it's got to be in Jesus' name. One Lord, one faith, one. It's got to be full immersion. The word baptizio, which is the most common 
word that is used to describe baptism in the New Testament literally means immersion or to be immersed because it has to properly fit the biblical typology of burial. Okay? Um, we do not believe in the baptism of children. Man, I, is this an apostolic church? Qu hold it. Quit serving popcorn. Is this an apostolic church? Okay. We don't believe in baptizing little swaddling children. If, if your child, my, now my wife got the Holy Ghost when she was six years old. When a child understands I'm a sinner, I need Jesus, and I want to live for God for the rest of my life, we're ready to baptize them. But when you talk about, Pastor, could you sprinkle my child? Not in this building. What is that? That's the doctrine of baptism. There's teaching. There's principles involved in that. Okay? We don't baptize people for the dead like the Mormon church does. They have an incredible, uh, massive volume of dealing with people's past where they, people are being baptized for the dead. We don't believe in doing that in an apostolic church. You have to be fully aware that I am a sinner I understand what the gospel is. It's repentance. It's baptism in Jesus' name for the remission of my sins. And, and I will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking another tongue. Blood, water, spirit, death, burial, resurrection, repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost. That is the doctrine of baptism. It may exclude some people, but that's, that's the word of God. And so when we talk about the doctrine of baptisms, and now we're talking about the doctrine of the laying on of hands. There are principles that need to be followed to make this a reality. And so we are going to talk about these for the remainder of our time together. First of all, the laying on of hands operates on a level of authority. Okay? Spiritual authority is self-regulating. If you want it, you can have it. To the degree that God has authority in you determines how much authority will come through you. This is not some fake you out, non-denominational, charismatic church where everybody can be a prophet and apostle and have your gift. I'll just kind of float around from service to service. It's apostolic, it's powerful, but it's founded in principles that are time-tested in that book. If you do not have authority, you have no business laying hands on anybody. I don't need any response. If you're committing the act of adultery and somebody's asking you to pray for them, probably be best if you didn't pray for them. If the authority of God is at work in your life and your order, I didn't say you're perfect, 
but you're currently ordering your life according to what you know, that unleashes the spiritual authority to work through you. So it's self-regulating. If you want more authority, you have to let God work deeper in your life. Maybe that root of bitterness needs to come out. Maybe you need, listen, you cannot be used of God if you're an unforgiver. And some of these things take work. Some of these things take time. But when you're confronted with, with these things in your life um, and, and you'll deal with it, there's more authority on the other side of that. After that giant is brought down, there's more authority on the other side of that. After, after you finally dig this out, there's more authority to fill that pocket where that once resided. There are some religious organizations that believe that authority can be acquired through a democratic process, like a vote. That's not how God works. In fact, the only vote that we see in the New Testament was rejected by God. They said, well, Matthias is going to be the next apostle. God said, you guys just go ahead. I'm already working on my guy, and I can't get him till Acts chapter 9. Now, you already have authority when you're baptized in Jesus' name. But that authority will, will flow through you at the level that it's working in you. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. See, when Jesus moves inside you, the first thing he says, he says, I'm a carpenter, so that's got to go. That's got to go. That wall's going. This foundation's coming out. This is coming out. I'm going to rebuild that. I don't like this. And when you let me have my way, now you got more authority than any man in the building. Let's go ahead and clap our hands and give him praise. There's a reason why he was a carpenter, son. The laying on of hands is a manifestation of spiritual authority. Okay, let's get into this. Look at your neighbor and say, pass the popcorn. A saint, a saint, should never lay their hand on the head of the pastor. Man, what, what, pastor, why are we talking about this stuff? This is the doctrine of the laying on of hands. In the 30 plus years that I've been in full-time ministry, I've seen a lot of quackery. Not Zachary, quackery. We all just run around, lay hands on each other. No. Foolishness. The reason why there is nobody in this building that can lay hands on my head is because I am the highest spiritual authority in this church. And because it's all based on authority. Now, that does not mean that you cannot pray for me. 
You can touch my shoulder. You can touch my arm. You can hold my hand. Pastor, I just want to pray for you. Okay. But you do not lay your hand on my head because the head is representative of spiritual authority in the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. The head of every man is God. Okay? Women should not lay hands on men. A woman can lay hands on another woman. And a younger woman should not lay her hand on the head of an older woman that has faithfully lived for God. If you ever see that, somebody's acting out of order. God is not going to strike them dead or anything like that. It's just out of order. They don't have, they don't have proper teaching. God does operate through the laying on of hands, but it has to be through the right principles. An older woman that is truly a saint of God, that has truly lived for God, can lay hands on another woman. If I was, if I was a young lady in this church, I would want Sister Mayo to lay hands on me and pray for me. If that's not a big deal to you, you just, you just need more popcorn. You just, you just need more popcorn, that's all. Popcorn can fix your problem. But that's just the way it is. And, and the more that we understand these principles and live within them, the more we're gonna see God moving and God working. Let's, let's just praise him. Let's just take a break right now and praise him. I love you, Jesus. I praise you. I worship you. Thank you for your people, your word, and your spirit. A man should never lay hands on a woman unless it's the pastor and he lays his hand on the head of a woman to pray for her. A man can pray for his wife and he can pray for his daughters but he should never touch another man's wife and he should never touch another woman. Don't act so disappointed. It's apostolic. Pastor, we didn't sign up for all this stuff tonight. Well, pass the butter. See these young men? Well, they're over in armor bearers class. We're not, we're not going to have the next generation to carry this thing with everybody looking at, looking at an iPhone. They're, they come in the church with an iPhone. They walk out the church with an iPhone. They're, they're just walking through the whole building with an iPhone. You're not going to be apostolic. You're not going to get what God's got for you. You're never going to get what God has for you. I have one purpose for the rest of my life, and that is to develop the young people and the families of this church to take this into the 21st century. And you are not going to be apostolic playing a game. You are not going to be apostolic by having all this other stuff in your life. 
But once you experience the authority and the power and you see God at work, you will never be the same. You will become intoxicated with pursuing the anointing. And that is a noteworthy, honorable pursuit in your life. And if you ever taste the anointing, you will never be satisfied with anything else. Never. Okay? A visitor should never lay hands on a church member. I mean, you might, you might bring somebody to church and, you know, you're... Sometimes when you bring people to church, all kinds of things happen. And it doesn't mean you're guilty of everything they do. But you might bring a friend of yours that goes to ABC Church somewhere else... And they're thinking, man, I just want to pray for you, brother. Just tolerate it. But I'm saying, in reality, that's not really how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be you influencing them, not them influencing you. And when it's time for them to get the Holy Ghost, even though you brought them and you know you're living right and you know you're walking right, you can put your hand right on their head and say, in the name of Jesus, I pray the power of the Holy Ghost fill your life right now in Jesus' name. People are filled with the Holy Ghost regularly in this church through the laying on of hands, and I thank God for that. It's incredible. I love it. It's apostolic. When it's time for there to be a leadership change in this church. My time is coming. When? I don't know. My wife said, honey, quit talking about it. People are getting depressed. Well, I'm touched by your depression. Um, but no, I'm just being realistic. You know, I shed my blood, sweat, and tears here for the last 29 years. My day's going to come. And when God selects that person, there will be the laying on of hands by spiritual authority, and there will be an impartation. Man, I feel something right now. There's nothing wrong to call the pastor up and say, Pastor, I'm dealing with something. You don't got to tell me what it is. Pastor, I'm fighting something that's bigger than me. Would you lay hands on me and pray for me? You might be able to do good with a couple little principalities and powers, but if the devil really sees potential on you and he sends the big guns in, one can put a thousand to flight. But what can you and your pastor do when we're connecting? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Laying on of the hands is not some surgical analytical, left brain kind of a deal for the church. It's so that we can hook up together and have an impartation and a connection of power and you can walk out of a habit that you've been struggling with all your life. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give God the praise. Let's praise him. Let's praise him.
Let's praise him. God, I want that kind of power. God, I want that kind of authority. God, I want everything that's in that book. Everything that's in that book, God. I want to squeeze everything out of it. And I want it in my life. But you have to want this more. But there's only, there's only certain things that God's going to give you vertically. The rest is going to take relationship, touch, connection, relationship. Let's lift our hands and give him the praise. I'm done. God, I pray you'll open up the windows of heaven and take this congregation into another dimension. God, I pray that you'll anoint people far beyond their ability, in some cases, even to believe you for it. Just let them taste it. Let them taste it, God. It's a game changer. Now, this is my last point. You would be amazed how many compliments are paid. They're given to me, but it's all about you. When evangelists come into this church and they see the willingness of this church to pray for people, they are blown away. And I just wanted to pass that on to you. That's the truth. My wife, in fact, my wife was with me when the last, the last evangelist was here, said, man, your church, this church is unbelievable. See, the devil lost the war in here. So now he's just, he's, he's running. The Bible said he runs to and fro. You plant a seed over here, stop that guy. Stop, talk to him before he goes. And then, and then go over there and get this guy. And then, and then try to sabotage this one. And da, 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 da. But what happens is when you get a bunch of people like an army that are praying. And like several weeks ago we had prayer and fasting. We just keep pulling. Our, our tug becomes stronger than his ability to thwart. God's ability to extricate them from sin and the bondage of this world. Somebody lift your hands right now. And let's pray. Pray for a sinner. Pray for a backslider. Pray to make a difference so we can get our hands on them. When you get your hands on that person, it, becomes, it can become the most powerful connection in this world. Right? Brother Dan, would you come up here? This is Exhibit A. You may be seated. John Doe comes up to the altar because the word and the spirit and this incredible supernatural environment has opened up something for him. And so he comes to the altar. Okay, we're still talking about the laying on of hands. Now, the Bible says lay hands suddenly on no man. That is not talking about 
laying the hands on people and praying for them. That is talking about embracing people as either being the people of God or another minister. We should know them that labor among us, so we shouldn't be quick to lay hands on just anybody. You got to do a background check. Okay, that's not where I'm going with this. He's up here to pray. This is going to happen this Sunday. There's going to be people come up to pray. I love you people. I'm going to show it to you. Because you love to pray with people. We have had evangelists that are saying, Brother Pyatt, I've never seen it anywhere like this. If you can just get them here, God will do the rest. And God's people are poised to operate. Okay. My friend John is in the altar, and I need to pray for him. You are perfectly, when it's right, okay? Now, I've heard some really horrible stories in Pentecost. All right, lift your hands, rub. neck up, open mouth, start screaming, ah! and almost have this guy where he needs, he needs to go to a chiropractor. I know that's being a little dramatic, but some people are like, dude, I, I'll come to your church, but don't, I don't want anybody to do that stuff to me. Okay? Well, I'm just going to tell you, there's a time for everything. And there will be a time to lay hands on that person. But this is the first stage of helping that person. Man to man, just put a hand on his shoulder. God will honor that. You've, we're talking about contact. We're talking about touch. We're talking about the horizontal. There's some people that are just, I'm in my own little world, and I got me, me and Jesus, and it's vertical. You're going to dry up. You're going to outgrow that. <sighs> Somebody help. I feel like I'm the lone ranger up here. I am telling you, I'm prophesying to you. You're going to dry up, and you're going to try to sustain it. Now you're going to try filling things in the blank because it didn't feel like it used to feel. It's no time to go to the world. It's no time to have other considerations. It's time to, God, take me to the next level. Now i got to go to a vertical, horizontal. i got to have it all. <laughs> Clap your hands and give him praise. Okay, I'm praying for John. I'm praying for John. John's responding. John, go ahead and lift your hands. Okay, he's getting into it. I am not just back here going, oh, God, do something. God, I hope you're going to do something. God, I hope you're going to fill him with the Holy Ghost. No, talk to him. I need you, Jesus. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, forgive me for my, all my actions, all my words, all my thoughts. God, I want you. I want you in my life. You're not repenting for him. You're a guardrail for him. He doesn't have any direction. He doesn't know what he's doing. What you're doing is just offering that direction from him. God, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I need you. And here comes the pastor. In the name of Jesus. I've seen it happen more times than not. And what's happening is you have a congregation that is working together with people that have that authority. I'm not the only one that has it, thank God, in this church. But we're working together. You get them up here. You get them postured for prayer. And then you watch the contact. And God will do the rest. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Okay. Don't worry about, all right, we're going to jump together. Don't worry about getting old brother or getting 
John Doe to jump right now. The most important thing for this man to do is to repent. Repent is, is, is becoming very unpopular and the most overlooked portion of the invaluable sequence to become saved. Because you, only get, you will only get to the Holy, the Holy Ghost to the level that you've repented. It can go no deeper. And what the Holy Ghost does is it sustains that repentance so that it now is converted into thoughts, actions, and direction. So, there are some of you under the sound of a thank you, Brother, or John Doe. Brother Doe. Sure got some beautiful children. Man, his wife's not here and he's up on the front row. There are some of you under the sound of my voice that have this level of authority. Please don't take the day off. Okay. Everybody watch me. Put your hand in the bucket and take another bite of popcorn. Okay? Let's chew together. Okay? I cannot do all the work. I cannot do all the work. I'm almost 70 years old. I'm running around here doing everything I possibly can. I can't do it all. Some of you have this authority. Some of you are coming into your authority. The worst thing you can do is just lay back and act like I don't care if I have that level of authority. If you get this level of authority, God will require you to use it. There's men in this church that have that level of authority. So I need your help. On Sunday... I was looking for an oxygen machine. What's wrong with the pastor? Man, I don't know. Look at him. Pastor's about ready to fall over. I preach my guts out. We're working as a team. I'll get the seat out there. You get him up here. And then I need men with the authority. If you preach in this church, I need you to help me. Is that too much to ask? If you're given morning devotionals in this church and you can bring the word of God forth, you ought to be walking up here laying on hands. You've got the authority to do it in Jesus' name. In another 10 years, I'm going to be in a wheelchair going from side to side of this church. I'm just kidding. This church has got... The potential is limitless, 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 limitless. Let's stand. Let's lift our hands. Some of you might have to hand your babies off to your wife so you can help me pray. And don't use your children as human shields. Because God anointed you, God called you, and this is where articulating that will increase 
the unction. Let's lift our hands. Let's pray. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we love you. Thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the spirit of God. Thank you for what you're doing in this city. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, an earthquake of revival is coming. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the devil is not going to win this fight. I want to tell you, if you're thinking about leaving the church, you are a fool. The only safe place in this world where the gates of hell cannot prevail is the church. The gates of hell are going to prevail Hollywood. The gates of hell are going to prevail your school. The gates of hell are going to prevail on the job. But they cannot prevail in the church of the living God. All right. Shake hands, be friendly, share the popcorn. We'll see you tomorrow night. Love y'all.